royals and ghouls. Lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, this is the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shan, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tejada. Let's go! Hello, Fright Fiends. It's the Boo Crew Podcast, episode number 13. <laughs> There are 13 ghosts to choose from, so pick your favorite spoof. In Columbia Pictures, 13 ghosts. We are joined by Hollywood stuntman and the creator, director, and writer of Delusion, an immersive haunted play that takes place in Los Angeles that is about to go worldwide with a new VR film and some other exciting things that we're going to talk about. And we'll find out what's in store for Delusion fans this year. But first, shh. The Boo Crew, the freshest cuts of new stuff. Here's Sweet Screams. Military fighting a massive invasion. Total devastation. We have to protect them. Promise me. I promise. A Quiet Place debuted at South by Southwest in March 2018. Wide release April 6th by Paramount Studios. Made over 50 million opening weekend. Directed by John Krasinski. Starring himself and his real life wife, Emily Blunt, Melissa Simmons, and Noah Jupe. Thoughts? Oh, that was intense. That was intense. It was good. Dude, I had this huge bag of popcorn. <laughs> could not get through because the movie is so quiet. You can't. Chew. You can't yeah, do anything. It's the movie that literally has the entire country wondering what to do with their snack food. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really cool, right? It's a, like an actual theatrical experience that no one's ever had yet. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty amazing. Which is pretty cool that yeah. they've been able to do that. So PSA, eat your snacks during the trailer. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> I was trying. I was trying. I was like, oh, shit. It's also the film that demands that the entire theater finally shuts the hell up. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or if you did end up at someone out there, I'm sure ended up at a screening with a bunch of kids going, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> right. Making fart sounds or something. <laughs> right. Glad you can either completely theater. ruin yeah. it or you're down for the ride. Stephen King, his review is one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. He tweeted this, said it's an extraordinary piece of work, terrific acting. But the main thing is the silence and how it makes the camera's eyes open wide in a way few movies manage. That's really nice. Isn't that very yeah, well yeah. said? Yeah. yeah, very yeah, very true. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot to look at. And it was beautiful. Shot on 35 millimeter film by cinematographer Charlotte Christensen. She did recently Molly's Game last year, which is also beautiful. Oh, yeah. She's done a lot of really, I can't remember the rest of them off the top of my head, but she's amazing and shot this film beautifully. I've been reading a bunch about it and... A lot of people call it a silent film, and I've also seen some pushback on that because technically it's not a silent film. Right. There's a lot of sound happening, and I guess a lot of the, you know, the walking on sand and things, that's all, that's not like Foley, it's all real production audio. It was originally intended to be a silent film. It was written by Scott Beck and Brian Woods. They started working on it in 2013. And they were watching like a ton of silent films and then they thought that it was going to be a silent film, but um, then they changed their mind. Yeah. The only line of dialogue was originally, shh. Oh, that's pretty clever. Yeah. Wow. That could be cool. It's like Mel Brooks's silent film. 
You ever see that? No. The only person who talks is the mime. (laughs) That's funny. This is one of the few movies that I've seen and I love when this happens. It's somehow I am managed to have not read anything about it, seen the trailer, like hadn't even seen the trailer. Oh, no. So I went in not knowing what it was. And that, to me, is the best way to see a movie. <laughs> you know, it's like, again, it's rare in this day and age to not be, you know, watching something on YouTube and the trailer pops up and you're looking for something else, right? right? It was cool to have the story unfold that way. And what I thought was cool about that unfolding is it, it really made it fresh and new and really put you inside the experience and kind of became this patchwork of intensity that I got to the point where anything that could possibly go wrong in that situation they were in gets set up to happen. Yeah. So everybody, you're just on the edge of your seat. We go, yeah. Okay, shit is going to hit the fan right yep. now. Any second. Yep. And it becomes that. At the beginning, I thought it rolled a little bit slow. And I was like, well, we're, we're thrown into this story way in the middle of it. So are they going to go back? Like I was wondering what exactly has happened. And then you get pieces of what's what the story is by looking in newspapers that are in the backgrounds of things. And, you know, it, it unveils that way. And then, like I said, then that tension builds up and you really get a feel for the situation that they're in and what's about to happen. Yeah, I really like that. I like the idea that they just plopped us in and we had to work a little bit to figure out the scenario. And we don't even really know the scenario. And that's fine. That's the clever part is how do you character develop with no dialogue? It's, ah, it was done in the background. I'm sure Beats having to learn any lines. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up for that one for my first film. <laughs> no, but the acting was terrific. Yeah. I mean, when you think about that and not being able to really talk much or it, when you do, it's, you know, down to a whisper. Yeah. And I like the ASL that was used in the film. And I read that John Krasinski insisted that Reagan would be a deaf person to represent the character. And it was Millicent Simmons. She was awesome. She was, yeah. so she was amazing. And that bathtub scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That was done in one take. Wow. That was it. Really? Wow. Yeah. Apparently, yeah, she asked for lunch. What's for lunch after? She's <laughs> 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 a professional. Dude, that was, yeah, that was probably one of the most intense scenes of the movie. Ultimately, not to get too heady about it, but the film was about communication and the failure of communication within a family unit. Yeah. What happens yeah. when communication fails or when people miscommunicate? You know, something that simple, but told inside of this package of, you know, heightened stakes. Before making A Quiet Place, John Krasinski couldn't even watch horror movies. To prepare for this role, he watched Get Out, The Witch, and The Babadook. And he wrote down what scared him to figure out what things that would make the audience nervous watching that movie. And I think those were really good movies to take notes from. Yeah, that's interesting. interesting. You know what else is interesting? The fact that, so this is his third film that he's directed. His first first studio and his first genre film. And it's interesting to me that a lot of people will be like first time directors will start in genre because, you know, it's, you can make a low budget horror movie to sort of make a name for yourself and, and go on to do something else. It's interesting to me that someone who's established like he is chooses horror as a genre of film to step into. He's not using it as a tool. He's using it as a storytelling device. Yeah. Yeah. As a way to, even though he has a monster in it, it has a powerful message, like you're saying, about like family and communication and how to survive. I think it says something about the mainstreaming of horror right now. So th- there's a Truth or Dare trailer ahead of it when we saw it. It felt like, you know when you go to see 
Like what do we we all saw something that had a truth or dare trailer that what we all saw that? together. Oh, it was insidious. Yeah, it was insidious. insidious. Last key, yeah. So that was a horror audience watching a truth or dare trailer and they were like, you know, everyone's sort of engaged and excited by it and you could tell as a horror audience. The audience we saw uh, a quiet place with was not a horror audience clearly because yep. their reaction to the trailer was I don't know I, I, just in a way you could tell the way that the audience reaction was way bigger you know it's the way your non-horror fans right. like, respond to things <laughs> when right. you say hey check out this uh, trailer for truth or dare and they go oh my god oh my yeah. god <laughs> they were horrified it's like too much yeah. and it's right. just the trailer and it just felt like this interesting thing of the mainstreaming of horror where I mean for a horror movie to open at 50 million dollars it's, it's insane huge. crazy thing is you know I saw it back theater with a non-horror audience I don't know who this audience was but they were not horror fans but they were yeah. they were intrigued to see this movie I feel like that was in our theater no it wasn't the typical <laughs> you know, young teenager horror crowd right. that would probably go see you know right it's not the truth or dare crowd. exactly no, exactly it's not. exactly I but think maybe because of the actors. Same can be said, honestly, yeah. about Get Out and Don't Breathe and things like that. It's just something I've noticed. Well, I have a question because I haven't seen Don't Breathe. Mm -hmm. So Really? We saw yeah. it twice oh, in the theater. so good. I know. I know. I'm behind. It's on our list. Because <laughs> <laughs> the premise is similar. Oh, the yeah, The scale yeah. is different. Right. right. And the stakes are possibly different. But is the premise basically the same premise? And if so, did John Krasinski or even the screenwriters, when Don't Breathe came out, go, ah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, no. You want to hear something really interesting? This movie was supposed to be a Cloverfield movie. They almost went with it, and they decided not to. And Krasinski and team were relieved because they thought that it would be, work better as a standalone movie, not a Cloverfield universe movie. Funny, if it was a Cloverfield movie, it never would have opened at $50 million. This movie did so well, it does the thing that people keep telling Hollywood to do, which is original content. Yes. You know, if they stop putting out, I mean, granted all the Marvel movies are going to make a billion dollars forever. If you put out mediocrity, people aren't going to go to the theaters. Right. If you make really good original movies, people will go. Well, especially when you talk about horror and horror is a genre that's been hit with remake after remake at, right. at the theaters. And now yeah. we're getting this resurgence of when they do stuff that's original going back to almost that social commentary horror that was so great in the 70s right that people want to see that yeah especially yeah. nowadays yeah. it's like a home run every time yeah it's crazy you know and it, yes to answer your question earlier it's very different from don't breathe i mean in, you know nowhere it's a, it's a different kind of suspense yeah. it was no nowhere near as um again when you're sitting in a movie theater and people are afraid to eat their popcorn it just amplified the silence yeah. right yeah. they did a really good job of putting you in into the the world yep. that they were in john krasinski actually bought the script with his own money really because they fell out of financing he really wanted to get this movie made he did a he so did a he rewrite did. on it didn't he yeah he yeah, worked on the screenplay with them yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he was really impassionate about doing the story. You know, a lot of the pictures in the set of the house were actually their real family, <laughs> him and Emily and, and the kids. So I would think, you know, as a, as a family man as well, I think it was an important story for him to tell. Totally. I'm, you know, I'm not talking for him, but I know how I felt when I watched it, you know, as a father. I can only imagine. And I was like, yeah. you know, very impacted by, oh, by yeah. the whole thing. So yeah. I can only imagine that was part of his drive to get this thing made. I do have one critique of the film. I thought some of the loud jump scares were a little unnecessarily loud and unnecessarily jumpy. 
I, now, was that know, just because well, everything I don't was so know. quiet? Well, so that's part of it. So I'm thinking about that. So I've been thinking about that. Is it is it because of that dynamic range of right. from zero to? But you know, when they're playing Monopoly, this is in the trailer. They play they're playing Monopoly and they knock over the yeah. the lantern. That was way fucking louder than a lantern yes, getting knocked over. Right. Yeah. But I I understand why. Right. Like you know, it's a big zinger. But there's another one without spoiling anything. But there's there's another jump scare later with which a hand on the window. Right. That I thought might have been more impactful without the giant added sound right. effect. That right. If it was just the sound of a hand on a window, would be maybe even more terrifying. There's a couple things like that. Here's the the thing about this movie. Because okay, so I mentioned that one critique, and then if you start pulling it apart, some things don't really hold up. So I'm going to stop pulling it apart because I really enjoyed it. I want to keep it that way. <laughs> I, know I know what you're getting at. It was great. <laughs> it had me at the edge of my seat the whole time. It was very intense. I felt like I had a lot of anxiety watching this movie. You don't know what was going to happen and, and some things you could kind of foresee, but overall, very well done. And you got to see it in the theater. Yep. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Out of any, any movie you see this, yeah. this year, you got to see it yeah. in the theater. Absolutely. So go see it. Go see it. Go see it. Yeah. And don't talk during it. For don't, God's sake! Don't you dare! <laughs> <laughs> the Boo Crew Podcast. I want to bite your finger. It's a Dracula game. Just set the clock. Just try your luck. If Dracula's cape opens, you have to put your finger in his mouth and press the lever. If he leaves a mark on your finger, you have to start over again. He didn't bite me. I want to bite your finger from Hasbro. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew in the Speakeasy studio, he is a stuntman and stunt coordinator who's worked with Steven Spielberg, Christopher Nolan, John Favreau, and countless others. Projects such as The Dark Knight Rises, Iron Man, Transformers, Indiana Jones, Star Trek, The Haunted Mansion, Daredevil, House of a Thousand Corpses, Planet of the Apes, 24, are all under his belt. He's a director for film and theater and the creator of the first interactive horror theater company, Haunted Play. They took Los Angeles by the throat in 2011 when he debuted Delusion, a stunningly beautiful and all-encompassing intimate living horror movie experience that's part haunt, part theater, and part urban exploration in an abandoned mansion in the historic West Adams district of Los Angeles. It even became an obsession of actor Neil Patrick Harris, who joined as co-producer for a little while. The Halloween season was never the same in L.A. They've done five delusions now, the latest one being 2016's His Crimson Queen. We'll get to the bottom of this and learn about a new VR series premiering this month with our guest, John Braver, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, come on. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, by the way. (laughs) Hey, hey, John brought wine, man. We got to do a toast. That's right. That's right. 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 To the boot crew. (laughs) (laughs) The greatest. Mine and haunts right that's here. Right. Yeah, that's right. Amen. John Braver. Amen to that. <laughs> wow, that's very sweet. You know, the whole Bucru thing started with delusion, with the second delusion. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Is it just you left and then all of a sudden you're like, let's get together and do a pod? Was there anything podcast in 2012? I don't 
<laughs> the podcast consisted of us hanging out in front of haunts, just talking about them. But that's what happened that's after sweet. the second delusion. We couldn't shut up about it. We were yeah. standing outside in the parking lot. We could not stop talking about yeah. how we were affected by that. Then we just started getting together and doing all different haunts. And but you know what's mm-hmm. funny? We always <laughs> comparing them to delusions. It's true. It's true. <laughs> if you don't believe it, John, listen to episodes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Every oh. single guest now knows about delusion. Right. If they didn't know about delusion, they do now because we have been spreading <laughs> the gospel oh, of your creation. So thank you very much for being here. And thanks for putting delusion together, man. Oh, thank you, man. <laughs> you make me cry. <laughs> Let's take this all the way back to the beginning and talk about you getting into the horror genre and experiences when you were a young person just discovering horror. What was the first movie you saw? How did it affect you? Yeah, no, I grew up in Chicago and um, I was just in love, like all of you are, with the haunt season. Not even so much. It's everything that encompasses the haunt season. It's the, especially in the Midwest, the smell of the fall and, you know, the crisp air and, and everything about, you know, when I was a kid, just the, the feeling of Halloween coming, just the energy was so, you know, palpable. And that coupled with adventure games, like playing RPGs and all that, they all kind of fell into the same vein for me of just an adventure like halloween was an adventure for me the halloween season and and, uh and fall in general and these games were an adventure for me so one of the first uh games that i would play that kind of helped inspire this was king's quest i remember a long time ago like Mm -hmm. there's definitely aging myself but it was king's quest was a big influence you know that and all this old sierra games it was the idea of being put inside this adventure I, i had the best time i'd bring friends over and we'd all sit around and play the games together and then at some point I thought, God, it would be really cool to, to actually create one of these things in my parents' house and just have the neighborhood come in and be a part of a game, be a part of a story, be a part of it, like be inside of a movie. And so I took over my parents' house in the suburbs of Chicago, and this was 96. I think that was, yeah, the first one was 96. My dad stayed in a hotel. My mom was out of the country, so it was perfect. And I said, I'll, I'll do my best to restore it to its you know, original condition. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. And uh, I just, I, I wrote this play. This, it was about 15 minutes long in the house and it went moved through the whole entire house. And how old were you at the time? Probably 96. So I was 22. Okay. Yeah. People came in and they just seemed to love it. What I got the most out of it. And, and this is sort of a general note about delusion and nothing has changed since then for me in terms of this aspect, is the sense of adventure that these people went on. And when they came out of it, like you guys were just talking about, you came out of the show and you come together and you talk about it. There's something about the sort of campfire thing that happens after the show that I get way off on. I just, I love seeing people come out of the show, coming together, hugging each other, talking about what happened, exchanging numbers and like being lifelong friends. To me, that's, there's nothing better than that. That's been the biggest reward for Delusion because, you know, God knows it's not a financial reward because this is theater. (laughs) I just barely scrape by with that. So, yeah, going back to then, it was 96 was the first one. And then I did it and then I kind of trashed my parents' house and I did it in 97. (laughs) They were not happy. And then the next year I I moved next door, literally the the house next door to to my parents. And I said, hey, you know, can I have your house? And she was cool. She's like, sure. So I I put a show on there. And then the city of Chicago kind of got word of it and they heard about it. And then they hired me to do the show in this old clock tower in the, in the city this time. Oh, wow. I was in the middle of music school. I'm a guitar major uh, at that time. And I was, I was like, okay, I'm loving this Halloween thing. I'm pursuing a, mu- a, a career in music. And then I also fell in love with Jackie Chan movies. And I was like, <laughs> holy shit. Okay, well, what am I going to do? I'm about to graduate with a degree in music. 
And then, but I love Jackie Chan movies and I love this idea you can be a stuntman and I was a gymnast at the time too, so I said, all right, fuck it. Here's what I'm going to do. I'll do another show in the clock tower. Next day, I'll just pack up and leave and I'll go to LA and try to, you know, be a stuntman. And that was the plan to put on a cool show in a clock tower and then took off. And just been working in film for a while, for a long time. And then I had the bug of delusion in my, in my body and my soul for a long time, but I just couldn't, I couldn't pass up higher paying like film work. I right. Just, I had to, you know, eat. <laughs> and, um, and then it just, I did a show in 2002 at this old martial arts center in Rolling Hills Estates that nobody knows about. I'd never even mentioned it. I've never mentioned this before. Like, <laughs> we did a show there. And then 2003 in Culver City at the Overland Veterans Memorial Park. No oh, right. there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is like a tall tower there. Yeah. So we yeah, did yeah, a yeah. show there. And then I said, okay, this, at some point, I have to do this professionally and I, I got to do this on a bigger, grander scale. So saving up money, saving up money. One day I'm going to do it. One day I'm going to do it. And finally, 2000. 11 was the, was the period where I was like, I cannot take this anymore. I got to get back to like this adventure and just, just writing and directing is what I really love doing. And so I said, okay, I'm going to put together a crew like, like you do with a film company. And uh, I got a couple of producers and we found the Beckett house. This was before there was no interactive theater. There's nothing in town and nobody knew even the city had no idea how to permit it. And they just kind of went along with us, which I can't, which I'm very thankful for. <laughs> and I just opened the show. I said, you know what? Okay, I'm going to take most of my savings and throw it into this thing. And let's just see where, let's see what happens. It just quickly blew up and it ran for 11 nights only. People were going nuts about it. And then I'm up in the attic on like night number seven and I'm like clipping one of the stunt actors in and I get a call and it's like, hey, John, how are you doing? It's Neil Patrick Harris. It's like, wait, what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, I was so thrown off. I, for a minute there, I was thinking, because I was so busy, I was like, can I call you back? But I didn't say that. I was like, no, okay, wait. Uh, so I made sure I clipped her in so she didn't die. And then walked away in the corner and he's like, dude, I came to the show. I loved it. It was so cool. What a cool experience. Let's work together. We can dive into this deeper later. But he, so we just uh, ended up co-producing it in 2012. And that's when the show you guys went to, your first one. Yeah. Yes. And called The Blood Rite. And that was a standalone sequel to the original, to the 2011 show. And then at that point, it's like, okay, there's no turning back. There's a wonderful, fun thing. Yeah, well, it was selling out as soon as you would announce that it was happening at that point, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it became yeah. the hottest ticket in town, literally. Yeah. Yeah, it was, we were very thankful and we had an incredible crew. So it just, it went nuts. It went nuts. And so were that, those early sort of, shows one-offs? Uh, they were, you mean in terms of standalone, the story, yeah, yeah. story-wise? Well, story-wise, but also in terms of like, like how long did they run, like the Culver City one and the 2002. Oh, the earlier ones. Yeah, yeah, the early LA ones. They were all standalone. They, they weren't a part of the grander delusion universe. Mm-hmm. As I said, one was in a martial arts center and it was, um, it took place in like um, medieval era. I don't even know what that was the fuck I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, I, don't know. I, th- I think big and then I usually get like, knocked down many, many steps after that. But, <laughs> but they're all, they're all self, they're all self-contained. Yeah. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the reoccurring cast. I know your composer, Siddhartha, you've worked with on, on all of them and music is such an integral part of the delusion experience for us. It's this constant character that's the score to the film that we're all in. It's got this like undulating kind of swelling that almost feels like you're being pulled you, you know, you're being pulled in by the music in each of these rooms how did you get together with this guy and find that perfect score well yeah well first i gotta say that i love i love you guys to death <laughs> let me just let me just say that right now and i'll tell you why I and mean, for many reasons but one of them is like the fact that you're bringing up the score 
which is something we labor over and we just re- we put so much love into this and the fact that you're wanting to talk about it is just so cool oh that's it's awesome just, it's just <laughs> and especially with siddhartha he's just such a sweet guy so that goes to something we might talk about where i i like people to go through the show multiple times yeah so you can pick up on the score you can pick up on things you didn't get last time and all so sid and i was a it's this easy little story but it's basically a stunt stuntman friend of mine who's from london who uh did a short film with him and became friends with him and he went to my show uh my my stuntman friend he's like god this guy sid who scores video games you got to meet this guy he's like he's totally into you know the same kind of vein same kind of theme that you're doing we talked on the phone we skyped and just fell in love loved the guy to death and he i mean delusion is he is delusion his his theme there's like a delusion theme now yeah like, yeah you know, that he mm-hmm. so every time you go into a show you know you, you can feel it so that that to me is really exciting it's sort of like it's kind of like you know like tim burton or nolan with hans zimmer like i have my hans zimmer with sid yeah and he helps define the tone. And what about any recurring actors in your cast? Or is it a fresh, do you reset every year? Every year there's some new actors. Mm-hmm. The, the, the cast has been growing. We have a large talent pool. And as much as I want to keep it like a traditional theater group where you kind of bring in the same people on every time, every story requires different people and sure. some people fit and some people don't. But there are there is a core group of Delusion fans that I will force into roles. Right. I'll just make sure that they get in. If they're listening, they'll be like, please let it be me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Aaron Lyons, you're in. <laughs> yeah, so this, it, it's cool because these people, they make this adventure come to life. I mean, they are the most special people in the world. If you said, I don't know if you guys ever talked to any of the actors afterwards. Did you ever? We've never had the opportunity no. to. Uh, yeah. We've talked to you actually a couple times. Oh, Quick, quickly. Sorry quickly. That. Oh, yeah. yeah. No. Yes. no. We understand the, it's hectic after the dude, shows, but. Yeah, the amazing thing is you're directing the show live. Yeah. And then we walk out, and then John Braver's out there, and he's like, hey, how'd you guys enjoy the show? Yeah. And then we start talking, like, dude, it's amazing. And he's like, I gotta go, guys. <laughs> yeah, they don't know that. I skipped out on work. Right. <laughs> don't tell him. Don't tell him. Don't tell him I'm out here. <laughs> I had to ask you where the bathroom was because I was super pregnant one year. Uh oh. They all. All went and I sat there mm-hmm. outside on a swing the whole time and I was so mad. Yeah, that was one year she oh, got she yeah. missed it. Yeah, 2014, yeah. I imagine you on a swing. Yes, because yeah, yeah the I Fitzgerald was, house. Yeah, that's where. And it was. we had our baby on Halloween. Yeah, the baby was born on, on Halloween. Halloween. Force the baby out. You are coming out on Halloween. <laughs> I was so careful, and I had a C-section, so there was a little bit of wiggle You're room. Little, okay, good. Yeah. So, but I was so sad because they were all in there having a great time, and it was like, a new house, right? Yeah. yeah. Which was beautiful. I mean, uh, that's I want to I want to talk about the houses too because they're stunning. Let's go back to the Beckett house. Finding that house. Were you looking for a house in particular? I mean, that house is like built in like 1905. It looks like the Haunted Mansion with the Greek pillars out yeah, front. Were exactly. you looking? It's that, like the perfect house for something like this. Right. You know, it's site-specific theater. So I sort of like, I had an idea of the story I wanted to do. And it was sort of a, a Victorian era kind of look to it. You know, a classic Haunted Mansion. Like you guys, you love Haunted Mansion. I, yeah. I love that kind of stuff. So I was driving by. And I, when I saw it, like anybody else who would see the house, you're like, I must have that. <laughs> <laughs> so I just like... I just, I literally just parked and walked up and knocked on the door and I was like, dude, I got to have your house like for this show. And, um, it was a very interesting family to live there. We <laughs> could do a whole show on them, but um, <laughs> it, was, it was like psycho. It's like Norman Bates. Like yeah. the guy's mother lives across the street. 
Oh, was just, it the people under the stairs house? That, yes, that, that one. You, wow. That, which is also an amazing house. That place is nuts. Wow. And yeah, the mother lived there and then the son lived across the street and I'd see him just like staring at his mother across the street <laughs> into the window. <laughs> That's a delusion story. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he lived in the basement. You guys went to the basement. Like he, that, that was his uh, bedroom. No way. Oh, wow. That's what the there. creature was down there? The yeah. Wow. Bust through the- You're kidding me. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> that place when I saw it, it was, it was, it was crazy. Wow. Houses are, now it's hard to get houses. Right. So after that, I think it was the move to the Silver Lake church, right? Yeah. I know as far as the delusion fans go, that was a situation where it ended up getting shut down. It was like five weeks. We were wow. five weeks to get shut down. We were supposed to, well, we wanted to go as long as we could. Right. Every day was a fight. You saw me talking to the police. Yeah. And I, we talked to the police every night about it. But yeah, I tried to, that was a pivotal point when I just, I considered just throwing my hat in because it was, it was so stressful and I had like panic attacks I'd never had before. Oh, and, and then I, yeah, that's why I'm bald now. <laughs> I wouldn't have been bald if I didn't do the show. <laughs> I would have had a full head of hair, lovely locks like all you guys. Well, I got to say, I got to say, that show was worth it. Whatever hell you went through <laughs> yeah. was worth it. Yeah, that was intense. Was that was that was one of our favorite ones. Yeah. I swear, and really? such oh, a yeah. beautiful location too. I mean, you go inside, and there was a courtyard. Once you got inside, and you you were kind of escorted That's the crazy to a courtyard. Thing. Yeah, because it felt bigger on the end. It was like a TARDIS. You know, it felt yeah. bigger on the inside, and because it was really hard. Like in a house, you kind of have your bearings. Yeah. Although the 2016 one actually kept went a lot, a lot further than it felt the house had in it. Oh yeah. Which is which was amazing. But yeah, going inside the church, like the scope of that story would just it was fantastic. Yeah, it's an interesting. It was it used to be like a nunnery and church, and so it worked out like the long hallways and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to use the church, the altar, chapel, and everything. Yeah. The chapel, right. yes, the chapel. the chapel. Yeah. Yeah, and the plague masks that we all got to put on yeah. and rescue one of our friends who's you know they're gonna put our head in a head in a guillotine. That and, was me. That was you. Yes. 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 It, was awesome. it was so. Awesome, and I mean, hiding under the hospital beds. Yeah, right. yeah. part. Yeah. So Trevor and I, he, he, you were right on top of the gurney. Yeah. I was at the bottom. That's right. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The gurney. <laughs> <laughs> Pushing us down the hallway, he wheeled us into this room, and he, he never broke character. Yeah. I mean, he's shoved us into the wall. You mean Trevor never never broke character? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we were, he leaves us in there, and we're like, dude, what the hell, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and the whole idea was to unlock the door for the rest of the group. Yeah. So it's like we got snuck in as dead bodies into yeah. the morgue, and we get to open the door for the rest of the group. So it's really clever, but really creepy, man, because <laughs> actors don't break character at all. Yeah. I no. like, that's fantastic. That's so good. That's cool. You got to do that one. That was that was one of my fun, my my most favorite moments from that. That one and hiding under the bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 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 bed. That's the moment where it felt, and this is it, because that that one is the one that's easiest to explain to people who yeah. don't understand. Because the story is very, it's not uncomplicated, but it it tracks very easily. Mm-hmm. You know, from one, it's like one set piece to another. Right. And the under the bed part. Is the more like as I'm in it, I'm like, this is what it feels like to be in a horror movie. I'm living a horror movie and enjoying that shit out of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> really, really. But then the bed levitates. So cool. Right, the hero bed levitates. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people miss that. Oh, man. Yeah, that's why people should come multiple times. But if they could, because they could see that. Yeah, if you're under the hero bed, then the plague doctor reaches under and lifts it up. And as it rises, it's, it's cool. Because actually, on that note, Whenever I'm writing these shows, I'm thinking about them as like from a camera angle, right? I'm thinking about them like like a movie, like the, the hero bed 
is the camera, and then as you're looking up, you see, well, you see just the lower half of the Plague Doctor, and yeah. then as the bed rises up, he starts coming, you know, revealing more and more and more, and then it gets to his neck, and then he gets called off for something else. Yeah. And then the bed just sort of slowly lowers down. So, <laughs> but everybody else, you know, gets different angles as well, too, but that's, right. that's sort of like the hero. Here a moment. So. That's amazing. That's so. Yeah, it's funny, you guys. It's interesting to hear. It's so interesting, man. I got to be honest. Like that. That was one of your favorite shows because it was. I'll be totally honest. It's my least favorite because of what went on. Right. Yeah. You know, That's I have fair. some bad memories of that. But there's some great moments. But I think like it's, it's just it's just cool. I I I got to get out of my own head. Like I feel like I have my favorites. So every the other the delusionals probably have the same favorites that i do but they don't and so i and it's it's, it's just cool to hear that it, it it actually helps me get out of my own you know, interesting my own way <laughs> interesting like just relax and people will enjoy it right you right guys, right oh, yeah. you guys are really like the the perfect fans for this the pe- perfect people to come to these shows because you appreciate everything about it yeah from beginning to end you totally sure. you pay attention you're involved in the story and like these are you guys are the people that like i'm writing these shows for so, thank especially you. those yeah. lesbian vampires making out. Specifically for Liam. Give me, give me a request for the next show. What do you want? A long list, man. What do you want? <laughs> you email me, Liam. <laughs> slip something in for you. <laughs> that sounded really bad. <laughs> oh my god! Another point on that note, though. I mean, lesbian vampire kissing aside. No oral sex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kissing. That's the next level. Vampires still love. You know, they love. They love it down there. Yeah. That's, that's the after ten p.m. show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now it started at seven. <laughs> what I love that you've been able to do with delusion is there's an element of class to it while still being able to push the envelope and it's this kind of magic concoction that no haunt that we've ever been to has been able to get to i'm wondering if that is something that you're conscious of or it just happened to be a happy accident as far as just how you envision these shows no no it's it's quite deliberate i mean it's a direct relation to my favorite films it's in delusion i've always explained as sort of the shining meets the aliens and the omen and it's just it's very it's psychological horror and it's of the vein of these these classic films that we all love a lot of us who go to these shows like we're not fans of like blood and guts and horror i mean well you're wearing a friday the 13th shirt so you love that kind <laughs> of stuff. that's fine that's why but me personally i'm not i don't like blood and guts it's not my thing um i don't like even seeing it it kind of makes me queasy um <laughs> to tell you the truth i'm not like i'm I, I always say like i'm not i'm not a big horror fan i'm just a great story fan and if it's a and nothing brings people closer together than horror and so when i watch these movies you know the shining aliens nightmare before christmas my favorite movie of all time that's number one like all this stuff feeds into kind of the style of delusion as well too it's very classic it's adult in in terms of like like quality maturity and you know story wise so some people who go through the show they they understand that and they they know it and they're not they don't expect it to be like like just a, a haunt where people are going to jump out and scare you i don't mm, i'm not interested right. in that kind of stuff though you know we throw those in from time to time if they're story appropriate but yeah it was all very it's deliberate yet not because it it's just kind of who i am I yeah think. no I, I totally get it i mean to my mind it's the the big difference is what you're saying is story that mm-hmm. fact is delusion is story driven it's not fright driven. It's not about a big scare. It's about, you know, telling a really creepy story and finding the scares within that. 
that's something I've always appreciated about it. That's why I hooked up with Skybound, that, that company to kind of bring these stories into different mediums. Right. So it's right. all about the story. So. And I love how we all work together to like solve the puzzle to move on to the next room. Like we all mm-hmm. work as a team and I think that's really fun and oh, really yeah. exciting. Yeah, yeah, was that her yeah. Crimson Queen that had the escape room element, the, the, the blood vials? Oh, upstairs, yeah, on yeah, the top floor. Right? That, was, that was so much fun. So yeah, great. Yeah, that was great. It originally was going to be, I was thinking, oh God, maybe we'll just do an intermission. Like it's going to be up there and there'll be a bar up there. And oh, wow. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Explore on your own, but then yeah. turn into like, oh, let me just try a, a little mini escape room just for fun. In something like that, has there ever been a point where the group cannot figure out what the hell they're supposed to do and you got to kind of figure out, okay, we got to send an actor up there to, you know, you're rewriting a script or somehow figure out how to get this group move the show along? That's hiring good actors. Yeah. Getting getting veteran actors is know what, know what to do. I kind of felt that it happened to me, man. You did? When I I got kidnapped by the the vampire girls (laughs) down the dark hallway and and these yahoos had to figure out how to reflect the light off the the mirror. mirror. Oh, yeah. Hurry up, guys. Hurry up, guys. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. creepy, man. I was in total darkness with a bunch of vampires. Oh, you got captured. That's yeah, nice. it was creepy. That's a fun moment. <laughs> it's funny because, yeah, that, that vampire, she like, it, people would take a long time. Yeah, she, 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 I was like, okay, just walk as slow as you can. Right. <laughs> You're walking closer and closer. And she, she, lots of times she'd be like, um, oh, my God, what the fuck's wrong with these people? <laughs> <laughs> like, I hate sunlight. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reflected sunlight. <laughs> 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 see, I didn't see that. All I heard was, "We're gonna kill you, <laughs> drink your blood, you know, and there sacrifice." You and I'm like, "Jesus, hurry oh, up, guys!" That's so <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that was. My, oh, I love that moment. That was one of my favorites. <laughs> Do you have a favorite delusion that you've done? It, uh, story-wise, at its peak, at its best, I think Crimson Queen and Lies Within are probably my two favorite. Both 2014, amazing. 2016. Though the original delusion stories are super cool, and that's stuff we're gonna try to put into a comic book and TV series, stuff like that. So that, that stuff's going to come later. You might not remember any of that kind of those stories, but those are my two, my two favorites. And there's more like there's moments. Like that's what it is. It's like, there's so many cool moments. Like yeah. his Crimson Queen, we were, you're all in a foyer, this beautiful foyer and like the moonlight's coming through and mm-hmm. dusk is coming and yeah. we have a lighting effect where it changes to the moonlight and you just hear vampires around you. And if it, if it worked the way we wanted it to, that moment was just cool and epic and, Badass. Yeah. Some of the coolest effects. So one of the coolest effects I saw was at the end of the Fitzgerald house one where all the furniture starts levitating at the cool. tail end of the show. It was really, <laughs> really was cool. Yeah. And then of course the people crawling on the wall in the second delusion. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I've ever seen oh, that. Oh, the second one also had a really cool stunt where you're walking from the living room into the next room and the fireplace comes alive. That was, right. that that was, was 2014. Yeah, that was a, yeah, yeah, the, the, the creature. One. Like, the it stands creature, up. Yeah. I, I was just watching that. I'm like, what the hell is <laughs> going on? <laughs> Yeah. Who designed that? So yeah, that's that was Jim Banky who designs all the creatures uh, for Haunted Mansion for the movie. Wow. Oh, yeah. wow. That's where he and I met. So Jim and I worked on Haunted Mansion. I was a zombie. He was a zombie and we were working together on that for a while. And then we just had a, we just became fast friends and he's been designing all the creatures. So now we have, that's one of the staples of delusion is like practical creature effects. So he's designing all that stuff and he did all the VR stuff and every wow. year, every year since, yeah, since 2012. Oh, that's cool. That's amazing. So Neil Patrick Harris comes in the second show. What was his actual involvement in that show? He was there helping to produce. He was a producer. He was helping along the way in that in those respects and then help me help me with casting. 
and then story and i'd go to see him on on set of how i met your mother during that time and yeah. he was and we'd sit there and we'd go through the script and it was funny it was, it was originally called the story was originally called i think it was just called crimson queen and he was like I don't, I don't want to call it that right now. I just, I think I don't want it to be associated with like me, like the Crimson Queen. He just, oh, okay. <laughs> right, 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 right. I'll never forget that. That was, <laughs> that was so funny. We just laughed about it. I was like, fine, that's fine. <laughs> so thankfully I was able to bring it back, bring that name back in a different way. But uh, he, yeah, he helped out a lot with, he was there. He was there, you know, every day with like some, we had some magicians there um, as consultants yeah. on some things. There's some things I wanted to do that we weren't able to do just because of the, the physicality of the sh- of the space, right? He was he was involved, and then you know, tweeting to his oh yeah, he million beca- fans. He became a right. great mouthpiece for delusion. Yeah. He was on talk shows talking about it, and yeah, yeah, it was super exciting. People still are like, every time they come, not uh, not that many people, but they still say like, oh, this is Neil Patrick Harris's delusion. Like we're gonna go, I'm like that's awesome. <laughs> okay, sure. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 that's super cool. Did that relationship just kind of peter out or is he still involved or, I mean, he lives in New York now, right? He moved and everything. But. Yeah. He got really busy doing uh, Emmys. He was yeah. doing Emmys and then hosting, I think he hosted the Oscars. Did he host the yeah, hosted. Yeah, hosted. Why not? Did the Tonys? Yeah, he did the Tonys a couple times. The Webbies. The, yeah. yeah, he does them all now. He's the guy. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and so he yeah he got super busy and just um and yeah moved to New York and and we just we stayed in touch from time to time but I, we don't we don't really talk much. He's just he's guy's busy. He's yeah. like a you know I mean we all know he's he's extremely busy guy. He's on this train in life, and then some of us jump on sure. for 15 minutes, and then he pushes us. No, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have to get off at some point. Right. You took the Delusion brand to film the first time with the hypnotist. You ended yeah. up coming back to the, the Beckett house for scenes right. of that, too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did that storyline tie into any of the other existing Delusion storylines? There's a big universe deck yeah. that's out there. It's like a Bible of the Delusion universe that... Uh, Skybound has and um, it's all connected everything's connected in some way and sometimes very loosely but right. hypnotist was uh, a descendant of of the original character Dr. Frederick Lowell from 2012 mm-hmm. right. and so his his great great grandson is the, the key person in, in the hypnotist so it's all about like you know, these are brilliant people uh, with demented minds stuff like that so it's loosely connected and you know the like Crimson Queen was was connected in a very very loose way as of now and we're going to develop that further but it's you know the the vampire ambrose who was the, one of the leads there he used to work with frederick lowell this, this oh, takes place oh, in the wow. late 30s mm. so that's that's again that's why i wanted to get involved with skybound is to eventually over the that's kind of my going to be my life from now on is just expanding these stories right. and eventually you know, years from now we'll be talking about you know Oh, this connected to this. Kind of like the Marvel Universe is all got all these. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. That's kind of the idea. So it's a long-term project. I'd heard for a while that there was going to be, you were thinking of kind of a permanent location. Was it going to be like a warehouse or something that you would have control over? Or was it going to be like, to me, one of the things I look forward to most in Delusion is where am I going to get to explore this time? You know, what house right, is yeah. it? What, you know, an old, that, like the, that old smell, that old, you know what I mean, right? It's urban spelunking and yeah, it's fine. Exactly, <laughs> right? It really is. What kind of were you thinking of of something like that? Like a permanent, something that would quench those thirsts? Yeah. I mean, you guys should go to like a city council <laughs> and talk, and talk to these people about it. Like, no joke, because 
because um, that site-specific stuff is kind of uh, very, very hard to do now. Sure. On a bigger scale because of the ghost, the ghost fire thing that happened oh, in Oakland. Yeah. Oh, that's right. About that? right yeah. I didn't hear about yeah. that. Yeah. So up there, and I think it was the last, last year or a year and a half ago, something right. like that, the one, there was a warehouse up there and there was a lot of people that were housed in there or something. And they had, I think they had some Halloween vendors. I don't know what it was, but it was a lot of people in that warehouse. And um, yeah, it was, it was insane. 35 people died or something like that. Some horrific number. And, and then the, the state just shut down the idea of any temporary special events, which is what we were under. We were, that's how we get these houses, temporary special event permits. Huh. Because you're doing a commercial endeavor in a residential property. You have neighbors, they're not going to abide by that for too long, right? So every year we fight, we fight to, to survive. Like, you, you don't get a, that's the thing, the, the Illusion fans that I love talking about because then they really appreciate it more is we don't get permits until a week before each weekend. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. We don't know if we're going to keep going every week. Oh, man. And wow. so you just, you, I cross my fingers that neighbors are cool. One neighbor can just ruin everything, hence 2013. Right. That's what happened. Yeah. And then in 2014, you know, we were battling in 2015 and didn't have a show and the 2016, same thing. 2016, we went for a while because we were good neighbors. I think we're at a point now where I feel you. It's like, I want to be able to go, I want to be able to easily write a show in a house, in an old house, like your house here. And uh, <laughs> which, which, don't ever say yes to that. <laughs> that would be we already have. <laughs> Can you sign this whole timeless? <laughs> um, but uh, the houses are just, it's almost impossible to get them now. Because again, because the permit, you're not going to get the permit now. So we're trying, there's a great organization that just started called Leia. So. Um, I forgot what the acronym stands for, but it's um, it's run by this great man uh, Noah Nelson, who's a big who, who's a big delusion fan and a great great guy, and he's trying to get the city to understand what interactive theater is and site specific theater is and get it permitted like Film LA um, is permitted. So, but again, anytime you can do one of these things in a house, it doesn't matter what whatever permit you have, it's you're at the whim of neighbors. So we are on your on your note, we're. We're going to have to either build houses, you know, get the financing to just like build our own place right? or uh, find a place that's zoned for what we want to do. And um, I can't go into crazy detail about it because we haven't signed the lease yet. Yeah. And so I don't want shit to like bite me in the ass, which it has in the past. But we found a place and I, I've already written the show. Um, I'm working on draft two now Woo-hoo. and it's supposed <laughs> to open this year. It's yeah. supposed to open this fall. Like we're working on, we're developing, we're designing it and the show's. I'll talk a little bit more about the show, but it's this place, if all goes well, knock on wood, can, <laughs> we could just run as long as tickets sell. So wow. we don't, we're not under that kind of strict, like you can only have temporary special event, which again is only five weeks, but we got 10 one year because we were good neighbors. Right. I'm hoping it goes well. I'm hoping we can sign this lease, get this done. We're working on the script for a while. Um, and it's, it's the most ambitious show we've ever done in a, for real it's 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 a really cool story and uh it's just incredibly ambitious and expensive right now so but we're doing it. i mean we're in the process right yeah. now i'm so excited that's really good it's like yeah. christmas day today yeah. right. Right <laughs> well, let's, let's get that lease signed come on yeah. right. i want you guys to go to this like the owner and talk to him and say dude you gotta get this here. <laughs> to bring you guys in yeah. seriously hey yeah, you know let I, us know we can you guys help. are fuel you really are i love you guys like what what you know <laughs> is there s- things that 
the Delusions fans can do to help out and make sure that the shows happen? I mean, is there people you can write, we can write to? Is there anything? Right. Can fund the shows. <laughs> <laughs> um, seriously, give me money. Um, no, uh, I mean, thank you for that. I, I don't, I think if we have meetings with the city council, like getting Delusion fans to come would be helpful. Yeah writing the mayor's office and talking about like this wave of interactive theater. We all know that it's blown up. Right. Escape rooms, theater, all this stuff, all this awesome stuff has been happening. So we want to keep it happening. The city has trying, is trying to figure it out. We've had some, we've had good relations with fire department and and the building and safety, but they're still trying to figure it out. And sometimes they get in the way of the artistic endeavor. So, and this is LA where they should be supporting that stuff. A lot of times they don't. Well, also what has to be understood too is the kind of performances that are going on. It's really classy. And it's also bringing a lot of positive attention to neighborhoods that have kind of been forgotten. I mean, that West Adams area has these beautiful homes that are just left really to rot. This theater group is coming in and making a beautiful experience and a positive experience and leaves a great mark on the neighborhood. I mean, I didn't know much about the West Adams neighborhood until I started going to delusion shows. You've had like two houses, two beautiful houses that have been used as settings for these shows and just all the people coming in and talking, it's all positive. You know, it's not like people are getting fights or being rowdy at these things and they're totally respecting the houses. And I don't know. It's amazing to me that it would be anything less than super supportive by the city. I know. know. Well, these are, some of these places are historical landmarks. The one in Fitzgerald Manor. Yeah. So historical preservationists, regardless of what we do and how everything you just said so eloquently, thank you. Like that's exactly the kind of where we're not a rave. You know, that's, even as much as we can explain that to them, a lot of them will just be like, "We don't want you there. We just don't want you in that house." I mean, there's foot traffic. I mean, huh. A lot of people coming through. We'd rather just remain a, a landmark and don't touch it. Wow. So stay away from landmark. Jeez. <laughs> oh, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, in the perfect world, I wish. I, I wish it. I wish it was easier. Like this new place, if if it goes well, it'll re- relieve about. Like 70, 75% of the stress because every day is just boring. Right. How are we going to get shut down? Yeah, exactly. Wow. Exactly. Nice. Well, talk about teaming up with Skybound and how that happened. Because all these, all these shows are story oriented. And I always felt for a while that, you know, people are going to go through one time. They'll have a great time. And there's a lot of cool things to do and working together with your friends and all that. And having going on adventure is awesome. Super awesome. But I, I am like a storyteller and film. I, I want to tell these stories and I want, I want people to get everything out of it that, that I'm trying to do. I'm not able to achieve that with the theater concept all the time. Sure. So I was looking for a partner that would be a good partner to kind of expand it into different mediums. And then Skybound reached out and they, cause they came, a few of them came to the show and, and I was like, this would be a great company to, to work with. They're, they're incredible people, very ambitious, very ambitious people and, um, and big fans. So, it happened last year, beginning of last year, and we got together and started talking about what does this mean. So I, I, in short, I gave them, yeah, sort of the delusion IP. I gave them the delusion universe. So, okay, guys, let's let's do this, and I'll, I'll be there as you know, exec producer or director or writer, whatever role I need to fill there to help realize this these stories. Let's do it. And so we decided, okay, our first endeavor will be a um, an adaptation of the 2014 show Lies Within in a VR series. And I was first against it. I didn't want to do it. I just want to do the feature version. I still kind of do, but I got turned on to VR as a cinematic tool by a friend of mine. And, uh, I wasn't a big fan of it. 
and then as we're it was cool because i was i was a i was a vr skeptic director and writer for this project that was a big epic cinematic thing and as we're going through the process i'm starting to fall in love with it so it's kind of cool to evolve with the actual production of yeah, the show that is cool and it turned out to be it's a movie this is a movie when you go see it we're, we it's a full movie it's um and we broke it up into two seasons so what what we're premiering at the overlook festival is season one that is four episodes and then uh season two will shoot at some point but you're basically i've never uh, watching this shit happen in front of my eyes has been mind-blowing because it's it's really stepping through the movie screen I, i'm not stepped through the movie i'm in the movie and i'm a ghost in this story and i'm with the characters and it's the play but in a grander scale even quality wise and sound design you can hear all the sound design is it's 360 sound and the score is right there with wow. you so it's all it's all everything i want you to hear and and minus the the beauty of the theater that the the intimacy of the theater uh feel you know the tangible feel being touched by another actor as wonderful as that is sure, I mean, yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> so but we'll get there with vr right it's coming that's coming i, I don't know <laughs> i hope not <laughs> i did watch some vr porn just to like see what this was like <laughs> yeah, just, just as research <laughs> right 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 yeah no i know vr suits will be coming that'll stimulate you know parts of our body to make us feel like we're touched and all that stuff i mean it's oh my god what a sad yeah. future <laughs> i just yeah it's funny because i'm still like i still i'll be honest i still grapple with like am i part of the problem or or just sort of helping to help being one of the vr cinematic pioneers of right. this well, along with like what what are we doing what better experience to have in vr though than something like delusion i i'm like wicked excited for you guys to see this wow. thing I, I wish we can all just go to new orleans together and just, <laughs> <laughs> oh you guys into this thing this is so cool well how, how do you so experience cool. how do you experience i mean something like that at a festival how do you experience vr on a big scale like that is it in a right. theater or do you have contraptions yeah. on your head like how does that work that's why we'll see how well it does like it's as long as it's a solitary experience we're not i'm not sure it's gonna reach any mass markets yeah but yeah you have like this the oculus or samsung gear vr yeah and you you download the episodes and then wow. you throw them on your phone and you and you put on hopefully headphones like the ones i'm wearing now and just and get into it um so yeah there's gonna be four people at a time that watch the 36 minute uh movie wow. and then they'll sort of rotate through that amazing yeah. wow. wow so do all four people experience it simultaneously can you see other people is it all it's just one-on-one -on -one? it's one-on-one -on -one, yeah you are a, you're a ghost in the manner that's, that's cool that's cool it is like an expanded universe you know it feels like the thing that i think one of the things i think that people love about the interactive theater part of delusion is the idea that we're on technology all the time that that you know we are in this sort of space where we spend so much time disconnected from people that it's such a relief and an amazing experience to go and experience this sort of interactive theater and i think that <laughs> That won't go away. That want of human connection will never. So this is, the VR doesn't feel artificial to me. It feels like an expanded universe, but the plays will always be there. I couldn't have said it better. That's mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly, exactly how I feel about it. Remember I said in the beginning that one of the reasons I got into this was for people to go on an adventure together. Like you said, we crave more than ever connection with people. We crave more than ever to just touch and hug and just like hold each other and just be. So, so that is the theater concept will yeah will always be there and will always be a need for that and hence you see a huge 
you know, influx of all these kind of things. So it, that's great because you have, so you have that, you have the theater, and then you have the VR um, as an addendum to it, and, and then you'll have the TV show, you'll have the film, so you have the radio drama, like you'll have different, different ways to see it and feel it. But the show itself is a big part for me is it has evolved to strip away all tech like from people. I, I want people to bring cell phones into this thing. I want them to just you know go away for an hour with your friends and just be in this adventure together. And that's, that's what's become most important to me is it kind of balances out what I said earlier about like, am I part of the problem with VR? Right. <laughs> like, well, I'm going to offset it with right. like lovely intimacy with right. people, like with each other, with your friends and, and loved ones. So. But you know what? What's amazing about that is there's no you can't find this on YouTube. You can't find photos because you don't allow video and photos. Yeah. And the awesome thing is you experience something like Gideon's room. Yeah. That room that you crawl into, and this <laughs> guy. I mean, it's just a twisted room, furniture nailed to the ceiling, upside down, and the a piano, piano on the floor. Yeah. The floor. Yeah. It's. It, I mean, you describe that. To, you know, I describe it to my friends, and I'm like, guys, this is so exciting. I wish you could be there and see this. You know. So it's kind of like. You know, it forces them to like, oh man, I got to go now. <laughs> yeah, that's the only way to experience it. You can't it. download it. You yeah, got to yeah. experience it in person, you, you know? Do. Yeah. And it'll always be like that where you're just, you, no pictures, no video, none. That's awesome. Because that's what the illusion is. And not, that's a, any, any year that we've been to, and I'm sure in the future, it's just that it's got something special every corner, something special for everybody. And it's experience where you walk away and you're like, that was awesome. And with the new show, I'll give you a quick story. Like we just, there's a big set piece we needed for the new show this year, my production designer sent me a Craigslist link. This is on last Wednesday. I won't tell you what it is, but it's just this massive set piece. And he's like, dude, they're getting rid of this in a stage in Studio City. They need it out by today. And it was $120,000 worth of this set that we needed. Oh, and, she's like, <laughs> and this woman was like, you take it away for free. So we just like, rallied and got the truck and got friends and threw shit on there and just... <laughs> So we have it in a warehouse now. It's like, that's just that's saved a like lot a of sign that it's going to go well. Meant to happen. Come on. That's awesome. Yes, please. please. Was the VR experience going to be the way that people who aren't unfortunately in Los Angeles, I mean, lucky us in LA, they get to go to Delusion. I mean, has there been any talk of expanding the play to kind of satellite Delusion troops in other cities? Yeah. So yeah. I, I this year will be the first year that I brought on a new partner in the live show aspect of this called the Great. It's this is a company called the Great Company. Okay. And uh, it's run by Carl Choi, who's the most spectacular man on the planet. I love this guy to death. He and his crew, Mary and Ray, and the Great Company. They, they're in downtown LA. They do. Um, they work in events, and they've been Delusion fans for a while, and they put on wonderful events. Actually, we did one together last year. A quick little like mini delusion called Fox Horror Rewind. I don't know if you guys did you guys go last year? No. no. Yeah, we, it was like a mini delusion. Really? Um, what? How do we miss that? <laughs> I know. We didn't you know I, I have to be honest, like we don't we don't promote like very well. Like we don't really have a marketing team or anything like that. But we so it was this cool little project that we did and we had a freight elevator it was it was like based off the fly. Like we had oh, this guy in a wire in oh, the freight wow. elevator like oh, lands man. right next to you. <laughs> no. it, was, it was pretty cool. It was a 15 minute experience. It was free for Fox to re-release all of their old classic horror films like oh. Carrie, The Fly. Oh. Um, wait a second. Oh, I did hear wait, about this. We did this. hear about this. I did this. hear about this. What was it called? Horror Rewind. Yes, yes, we did hear about I it. I remember that. I think you sent us the yeah, link. I did. Yeah. Now, had, I, had I known that, that John was involved, we were right. gone. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Oh, man. We, we thought, honestly, it was a corporate thing. You'd seen Fox. We're like, yeah, you know, it's Fox. I know. Man. So you could see like the illusion. It started off as like, I'm not going to really be 
too involved with it. We just didn't have the time. And then it just started getting, like, Carl's so, he's so charming. And you just wow. want to, like, work with these guys. And yeah. then it just became, okay. And then the Delusion logo started to get on there. And then I brought on the Delusion cast. And we wow. just, and we ran it. We ran a show for, it was just one <laughs> weekend. Awesome. Like that three is nights cool. for free. Oh, wow. We went to the Niebolt house when they were promoting it. Oh, yeah, yeah, it, I went to and that. And when we left, we were like, Delusion should have done that. Some of the actors were in that, yeah. And it, and the, oh, that's I, so funny. It needed more actors. That was my feeling. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. These are next year. From now on, Delusion is going to be, I, I, I think, 10 people's too much. So it's, I'm going to strip it down to eight max. Oh, uh, wow. four, and so ticket prices are going to definitely go up. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm going to bring it down to a certain number. I think, yeah, it's going to be like six to eight people. Oh, we have great. like 20 people that we've invited. <laughs> yeah. Our show. Yeah. Oh, guess we're invited. Yeah, we're going to have to book out like a whole oh, yeah. night where we get to go we in should. with these other people, like, you know, over and over. We should, do that. we should do like a boo crew night. Yeah. 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 Let's least. talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Closer, for real. Wow. For sure. Let's That'd make be that so up. fun. But that's like the It House was, uh, you know, it was, it was, uh, you're supposed to get as many people through as you can. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. not no, what, that's not it. what this show is about. So, you know, we, we, I get, calls from different companies and very flattered to get these calls to go in and help out like Disney, you know, I go work with them in Imagineering out in Hong Kong about stuff. And they're like, well, we want to kind of get the feel of delusion, but a thousand people an hour or whatever it is. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's ways, but, um, it's never going to be exactly a such yeah, an intimate so show. Yeah, we're so spoiled by you. <laughs> and I always ask guests, I'm like, have you done Delusion? And a few haven't heard of it, but we inform them that that's the best thing that they can do the Halloween season. So asking you, what haunts would you recommend in the area? Maybe there's something we're missing that we don't know about. Besides I don't delusion. really see anything. I, I have a friend of mine, Justin Fix. He's a he's a great guy, really awesome young guy who's um, running the Willows. Probably heard of that one. It's um, that's uh, that's like fifteen people a night at this old house in Koreatown. Is that where they take you? They blindfold you and drive you there, and yes. you're there with the family, basically, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I've that's, heard about that. That's the only one I've done. Like, um, I just. I told my whole crew this, like, I am not the person that would go to my show. Wow. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how to act. I don't know how to react to this stuff. And I know how I think other people will, but I just personally, when I go through, I, I feel very awkward, like going through these things. I don't, I'd be, I'd be the people, person in the back of the audience. Right. <laughs> well, that's another thing of the beauty of your show. If you do go in and you get a group of your friends and there's one of your friends who you know, is a little shy or reserved, doesn't want to take part. They aren't forced to take part and right. they can still have the experience of moving through the story without right. having to do anything really. Right. You know, the next show is, is it requires an enormous amount of activity from people. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of shit we're going to try to get away with. And wow. I put, I put every year, I put like an ungodly amount of trust in the audience. Like, please just, please do what I'm yeah. hoping you're going to do. And right. Right. Kill the actors. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's, it's amazing because, the experience you created, it, to me, it's horror. It, it, it's horror, but in a sense, it's like, you know, it's a good story. It's it's classy. It's, you know, it's just a great experience. And people like that. People want to be humiliated or, you know, tortured or, you know, or uh, felt un uneasy, whatever. And it's like, that's not what we are into here in this room. We're not into that. I like, can I can tell. <laughs> well, you the lesbian vampire. Yeah. That's the exception. That's the exception. <laughs> I did have some, I've had some, uh, 
Well, yeah, you're right. I, I but see, you know, when, when I bring up delusion, you know, there's like, oh yeah, I don't like that. I don't like to be blamed for it. I'm like, no, 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 no. Right. Like, please just go to delusion because you know. I wish I could play a YouTube video and show you what it's about, but it's like, <laughs> there is none, you know? But, but yeah, they mistakenly categorize it with the others, and it's like, no, it's not that. It's not an experience. It's an actual haunted play. It's well-produced, well-acted, well-written. It's a great experience. Trevor, you were calling it, like, a haunt, right? And it's funny, because I, like, the whole crew, if they're listening to this, when, when they listen to this, it, they would they would be laughing, because that's, like, my word, that's, like, my when I hear that word associated with delusion, I get like, uh, it's not really like a haunt. Cause it, <laughs> then if you say it's a haunt and you're expecting people to jump out at you constantly right, and right. like scaring the shit out of you constantly. And it's not about scaring you to death. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm never trying to do that. I'm never trying to terrorize you. It's, I'm just trying to get you through a cool, creepy story. Like, and that's really it. And, um, so I try to steer away from the idea of it being haunted. And so like this new show, it, as I said, it can run, we're hoping to run it, February, March, April, May, and then and June, and then take off for the summer, and then bring it up back again. So we don't want to. We're not exactly tied into the haunt season as much as magical as that is. Right. But we we want it to be. We want it to exist at any time. And you're noticing some of these things, like I just mentioned, the willows, the, the wonderful experience. That's now. You know that that it doesn't it's any horror movie, right? It, yeah. They come out in February. They come out in March. Doesn't matter. Right. Is that? Do you think that's an LA thing? Is that like one? Because one thing we've noticed is that. The Halloween season in L.A., they seem to be dreaming up more and more of these experiences and conventions and things like that. And Halloween's getting pushed earlier and earlier. So now it's like starting in August, in the middle of August usually. And then it ends, well, I mean, got the attractions starting in August, but the festivals and and conventions, I mean, we're going to one next week, Monster Palooza. Yeah. Right? And then you got Midsummer Scream, and you got the year-round Halloween stores all over L.A., and then you got haunts that are open all year round, or haunted, you know, haunted experiences, haunted attractions that are open all year round. Is that just an L.A. thing, or do you think it's starting to creep all over the place i think it's an overall desire to be a kid again right i think it is i think it is universal i i think it is like starting in la i believe sure um but i think we're gonna see it expand just because like people want to imagine things again and just go on adventures together again so it's a wonderful thing to see. And yeah, it's funny because you were saying about how Halloween, every year Halloween starts earlier and earlier. <laughs> and I always tie it into when I start seeing like props at Rite Aid. Like yeah, yeah, walk, yeah. You yeah. walk in, there's like a, <laughs> the Halloween thing. It's often like August 1st. And like on one hand, I hate that. On the other hand, I I like it. But but I, I, actually on that note, it's, it's interesting because I've had so many discussions with people about this. There's something special about, I'll make it comparable to like Chicago pizza. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I'm from Chicago. I love Chicago pizza, deep dish stuff. Uh, it's, and a lot of Chicago people out here were like, God, I wish I had Chicago pizza here. I wish I had it. I wish I had it. And like, I don't, I don't want it out here. I want it special. I want to know that when I go there, I'm going to, you know, it's that line in the Incredibles. Like when everybody's super, then no one will be. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> on one hand, I want Halloween to stay Halloween. I want it to stay in October. I want it to stay special. I'm with and you. it's sort of expanding and that's cool and fun because we're get to play. But at the same time, I don't know. You know what I mean? No, I know exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's the same thing with delusion, right? You know, we always look forward to, Oh man, it's coming. Yeah. And so, <laughs> it's and coming. So, and so I hope we don't, I hope we don't, we don't fuck this up by February and March. I think there's a threshold. I, I think yeah. there's like, you know, like Halloween town on Magnolia and, Burbank is mm. great that that's year round. Right. Now, if there's a Halloween town, you know, every five miles, yeah. that would ruin it. Right. Exactly. So, you know, exactly. it's nice to have a few things, you know, 
meaning a year-round delusion would be great. And if anything, <laughs> if anything is going to get that year-round presence, may it be delusion. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're looking at like a, about 140 nights a year. Oh, wow. Right now, um, so like Thursdays, Friday, Saturday. No, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, Thursday through Sunday. Yeah. And then take off sometimes. Like, like three months, we're talking like two or three months on and then a month off for maintenance and special events. And then That's awesome. We'll see how long the show runs. I mean, it's... It's such a cool show. God, I want to talk about that show, man. <laughs> we want to hear about more wine. Well, the great thing about that is it gives people a chance to experience it because what's been right. happening. I mean, right. this show keeps right. selling out, and now all of a sudden it's over and it's gone. Right? Totally. Exactly. You know, we're never going to be able to experience that church show again. Yep. Yeah. Or the well, you know. <laughs> well. Let me go back to well. On that note, that's why I brought the great company in. So you were you were mentioning, and I don't think I answered your question about are we going to go to little satellite yes. cities and stuff like that. So great company. Um, our goal is to this will be this next show is sort of the last original pl- uh, live play that I'll do for a little while, and we're going to bring back the other five. Oh, so we're going to bring wow. them back either you know here in L.A., New Orleans, Chicago, New York. So we're just going to do maybe like two, maybe three shows yeah. at one time. And in different cool cities. Uh, oh, and so, New Orleans wow. would be rad for that. <laughs> yeah. That'd be yeah. so fun. Oh, for real. Especially like the Lies Within story because it takes place in the South. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like that's that's the idea. And so the and the good thing is, the v, as I said, the VR thing um, will allow people to see, right. you know, the the quote play and to experience, you know, it in a, in a certain way. And it, it's, if you can't see the live show and see the VR experience, like I can't say enough cool things about it. Like, as I said, I was a VR skeptic. And with this series, it's just mind blowing. Killer practical. If Jim's back, you know the haunted mansion guy. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. he's doing all the creatures and incredible like makeup design, like production design. Kevin Williams is my guy. He's the greatest living production designer, I believe. And um, so he and all the whole team, they're just they built Lies Within to another level that uh, would be more like you know like a big budget level. That is so cool. <laughs> Man. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask, just because I'm a Haunted Mansion freak, you went and worked with Disney out in Hong Kong. Did yeah. you work on Mystic Manor out there? Or no. what? Like, so when they bring you out there, what is your goal as far as consulting? Is it what you were saying? Just like, we want people to have that delusion experience. So it was working with Imagineering and it was brainstorming sessions for new experiences in Hong Kong Disney. Wow. And uh, sometimes based off their, for example, the Jungle Cruise. Yeah. Like, how can we make the Jungle Cruise more interactive or wow. intimate for people? Like, And then there's, you know, black box stuff. Just, let's just create something completely new. So we would just, we created, you know, a bunch of new things that are probably still in development. And um, and then, yeah, we got to go through Mystic Manor. We were talking about, yeah. have you been? Have you I've been never been Mystic there. I've, I've watched, you know, and you know, you watch. That is available on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw that Unfortunately, you know what I mean? Because I, I wish, I wish you'd have to go. But of course, you're curious and you're just like, okay, I'm going to watch one of these like ride through videos. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. It's amazing, though. It's amazing. That is oh, my favorite. Like trackless doom buggies, basically, right? They're just yeah. floating really? around, able to move in all different directions. <laughs> it's The animatronics are so smooth. It's got a whole original score by Danny Elfman yeah. that wow. no one's ever heard. A lot of people don't even know Mystic Manor exists. I know. It's, wow. Dude, it's cra- like there's one scene when you, you probably saw in the video where you're facing uh, one a painting on the wall of a tree and this little girl and then like there's this cloud next to you and it blows cold air and the, through VFX and like um, some practical effects it freezes the painting right in front of you and the tree becomes frozen and then it cracks and the wall cracks and the 
the, the whole track uh, turns and the entire wall starts cracking and opening in front of you. It's, it, wow. it's, wow. it's mind blowing. <laughs> it's so wow. cool, man. Just buy a ticket and go there. There's <laughs> <laughs> even a painting of Danny Elfman on the wall, too. Yeah. 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 It's amazing, dude. I love it. I wow. love it. It's Wait, fun. Now, is all that, are, are all those doors that have opened because of delusion? Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's really cool. Very happy about that and fortunate and going to take advantage of those opportunities and help, you know, realize these stories. So, yeah, it's all been, it's been a bit of a, like stunts were great. I was working on that for a while and action coordinating and it's fun, but I never felt like I was um, sort of master of my destiny kind of thing. I, I, I want, I had a lot of, I always felt more akin to writer director kind of stuff. And so, you know, everything kind of led, everything's been leading towards this and I'm going to continue on this journey and see where it, see where it takes me. I'm I was just wondering, as as the director of your troop, like, yeah. wh- what is your process? How do you like talk to them? How do you rehearse? Or like, is it because I know it's a different space than just a theater, conventional theater. Mm-hmm. So, like, how do you, I guess, maybe work out that process with your actors? And like, do you have like a the night of before? The, do you have like a something that you ritual that you guys do together to get like psyched up or like, just because you sacrifice one actor repeatedly talented one prank call Neil Patrick Harris no one messes with MPH that's right <laughs> let's do it if I do anything right it's like finding the right people mm-hmm. and it always comes down I'll know within the first 10 seconds when someone walks in on an audition like this person is delusion has the delusion heart to take on sort of this, it's, it's grueling. I mean, you're doing, mm-hmm. we used to do a lot of shows a night. They have to have a certain attitude about it. And, and they have to have the talent, but I'd rather, I'd rather get somebody who, you know, is not, not a complainer and they're just going to, they're just going to work their asses off. And, and the chemistry is, is strong with everybody. The delusion theater troupe, like the, these people are lifelong friends. And so it's pretty cool to see. But the process, yeah, is um, auditions. And we, again, I, I know pretty soon after based on their energy and then um how i speak to them and how they interact with uh you know other actors that i'll throw in to mix pretend to pretend you're an audience member right and start throwing a bunch of crazy shit at them and let's see if they can take it so there's a bit of a grueling process of you know initiation i guess like in a sure. door in a dorm or something yeah. hazing that's the word but we don't do it's not that bad but um i just know that these people can handle it right. and then once we're going through rehearsals, you know, we'll have test audiences coming through all the time and I'll be in a lot of the, the groups and, you know, make comments about a lot of it's blocking. There's a lot of, a lot of hitting marks as you got to do. There's a, one big, this is one big long take. You never, you, you have to have the endurance for it and the, you have to be able to juggle many things at one time, you know, rallying 10 people and telling a story. The, the tough thing about this show is, and even as I'm writing, it's a little more liberating to write it as a, a movie or VR or something else because you can, you actually have dialogue, you know, you can, you can, you're writing out a, a scene with two actors. Here, it's a one-sided dialogue. You have to have people to be able to like talk to somebody who's just completely flat and convey this very emotional scene. <laughs> and the other end of that is like, you know, somebody like, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I'm tired. I want to. You guys want to get a drink after this? Thank <laughs> God. So they have to just keep going, and and um, so we we train, we train, and I have I have delusion veterans now who've done this for a while, hence the, the term veteran, uh, and uh, they help 
they're sort of the leader of the acting group, so they'll help people along the way. And uh, I'm there. I'm there every night in the beginning. You know, there's a there's a there's a on day one we'll have the show starting, and then I'm I'm with the actors before, like just talking to them and helping them relax and all that. And uh, and then I'm I, I just kind of I'm one step ahead of the play in the beginning and just watching and. It's it's so far it's been pretty it's been pretty smooth. It's it's the technical aspects. Actors also have to cue certain music tracks during certain scenes. They yeah. have to they have to back up against a wall and be terrified and get clipped into a wire through a wall by a stun op and they have to make sure that they get to the right spot yet still have, you know, yet still convey that emotion in their face as if anybody's looking and you'll never notice the wire that was clipped in and they get thrown through a wall. Like it's, there's they just have to think about so many things. So. Yeah, my oh. God. Yeah, the music score is one thing I never thought about, like having to make sure that no matter what happens, because right. that score, I mean, like I said, it's so beautiful, but it tracks everybody's, it tracks all the actors' movements. They're yep. doing it live, like a live movie, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yep. Now, have you ever had to, not to be negative, have you ever had to kick anybody out? Oh, Be- yeah, every year. Every really? Year. Yeah, we always have to kick people out. How do you make no. it? You keep the story going. Yeah, and, keep it going. You know, because we, you know, we've had, I think, uh, the one one of our groups the second year, you know, you have the one oh, yeah. girl who brings her drunk boyfriend who, you know... <laughs> has no idea what he's doing there and he's he, he wants to be the hero he's pretending he's not scared but he's really fucking pissing his pants scared mm-hmm. so he acts all tough and tells off the actors and say you know the shitty stuff that you don't want to see oh yeah it ruins it for everybody yeah exactly everybody so what you know in a situation yeah. like that, an extreme situation what typically what would happen we'd have like these wraiths these shadows that would kind of come in and then sweep you away and sometimes people would never even notice sometimes <laughs> they would and they would just kind of be swallowed into darkness and then whisked away and they would think so a lot of times they would think oh this is a part of the show yeah and they all of a sudden they'd be on the street <laughs> <laughs> i guess i didn't make it <laughs> that's awesome we were, we had, yeah we were drunk like you got a balanced liquor too because we had one p- person who um like pissed on her sex because you did they just couldn't hold it in so they oh, went in the corner and peed in the corner and oh no and then, oh. that's that's actually an issue like people have to make sure they go to the bathroom before the show <laughs> right 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 right, right. <laughs> to police that is it actors from one scene who are communicating okay we got an asshole in this exactly. group or whatever and you know watch out for this guy or whatever yeah we're, we always have like PAs and prop runners and everybody's on walkie so, right yeah and, and act, actor when they're done with their scene they'll be like yeah this you gotta check out the you know the guy in the red jacket or right it's just we gotta get rid of him so well, that's great it's um yeah it's case by case so we kind of like watch we have security cameras in every room so we're watching too and it's a tough call though sometimes it really is this is this is a tough thing because you're watching people and they're really getting into it are they getting too into it right (laughs) (laughs) should we get rid of them and we've had situations where people like really pissed off and demanding refunds and getting in our faces about it like no, I was just really into it. Like, right, right, right. One guy had a you know a knife, and like the one of the actors said, like, "Don't trust my brother. You know, kill him." She like yelled, "Kill him!" For some reason, and that wasn't in the script. Right. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy had the knife. He had this like rubber knife, and like the actor came in and was talking, and then the actor was just like, "Ah!" Oh, and, and he you know stabbed him in the side. Okay. But, but it was it didn't pierce flesh. Right, it was, right. It was like he was unscripted. He, yeah. <laughs> and the actor was like, "Oh shit!" And he stopped the play. He stopped the play. Oh. Like stopped everything. And, and we had to like confront his <laughs> doesn't happen wow. that much. I'm curious about, so if, for stunts, so, so you doing this kind of thing before you came to LA and you come to LA and you get into the stunt world, it sounds like the stunt world helped you inform how to create a lot of the, like you were saying, practical effects and people that you met. And I'm just curious about, you know, what sort of lessons you learned in the stunt world that, that helped inform 
the creation of the delusion universe. Yeah. Well, one of the biggest things was just my relationship with uh, this guy, David Huggins. David Huggins is the head stunt rigger for Avengers and all that kind of stuff. He's a guy I worked with for many years and he helped bring that stunt aspect to delusion. And, uh, and he was very creative in terms of being able to hide wires uh, and hide rigs in certain places. So he was very, he was very helpful in that respect. And then um, through the lighting designer, lighting designer worked closely with stunts actually too. And you wouldn't really think about that, but in terms of wire, where are the, where are the wires, where's the light going to reflect? How is it going to, ref- what kind of wire do we need? So it's not so reflective and what kind of paint should we have on the wall so that the wires, you, oh, know, wow. you don't see it. Uh, and Crimson Queen, we had no choice, but you had to see some wires, something sometimes uh, we couldn't get away with that. Some others you could. So it's an interesting mix of, of, creativity in different respects through stunt through stunt rigging lighting production design like they all have to kind of work together to hide you know these things so we did we did a lot of stuff you know crimson queen with guys dragging down in the in the crypt in the basement like the yeah, guy gets right. dragged down the hallway yeah and you hopefully don't see the wire but it, you know all that whole rig is tucked behind all the other shit so yeah it, yeah super invisible in the Crimson Queen. There's a lot of stunts. Yeah, I mean a that lot going yeah. on was really mind-boggling because <laughs> it catches you off guard. Because you again, because you're in the story. It's fun to think about how can you get away with doing something uh, that people aren't going to see. That's magical. Like like for example, the for 2011. I think Delusion started on this first stunt where this woman's on this on the staircase and she's got this dialogue with this other actor in the foyer as you're standing there with, her. and then she sort of banishes him and kind of waves her hand at him. He just goes flying up the staircase, like straight up into the darkness. And everybody was just like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that, man. That was the coolest moment. Like, we heard that scream from inside the manor. We all looked at each other like, okay, this, this, this works. <laughs> Something's cool about this. Well, John, thank you, dude, so much for joining us, man. Thank you. It's, it's been so a pleasure. Fun. It's seriously been a pleasure. Congrats on all success, man. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. It's just like crazy fun. I'm Vincent Price. And you're invited to my party in the house on Haunted Hill, where so far the ghosts have murdered only seven people. So won't you come and make it eight? This was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode number 13. Special thanks to our guest, John Braver. Go to enterdelusion.com, follow Enterdelusion on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and check out the VR film Delusion Lies Within, debuting at the Overlook Film Festival. It would mean so much to us if you get a sec to head over to iTunes and rate the show with a quick review. It helps us grow and get found, and we really appreciate it. Over to Insta, Sweet Screams! Ah! The most Sizzle, Tara Ansley, Jules Kirschenbaum, Kristen Antunes. Thanks for keeping the conversation going, and thank you for listening and being such an important part of the show and our Boo Crew family. Trevor for the Boo Crew saying, see you on the other side. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shand, Austin Wilkin and Rachel Tejada. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shen, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shen. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation. Fuck a duck.